Welcome, 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 welcome to the State of the Universe episode 84. It's a big one. Why? Why? Well, it's a big one for everyone in the United, the great United States of America. Maybe some other countries too. I'm not sure. I can't speak for you. I don't live there. Here's what's going on in the United States of America. Monumental month, monumental time period. One year into COVID and the pandy is still flying high. All right. Because guess what? COVID is never ending. Okay. I hope to get on the show and in 2028 and be like, guess what, everyone? Eighth anniversary of COVID. Welcome to episode 317 of the State of the Universe. That's what I hope to do. That's my dream. Okay. Because at this point, you can't beat it. We're going to have to live with it. It's here for life. All right. I'm trying to get that vaccine. I can't get the vaccine. In New York, I can't get the vaccine until I think the guideline is like 2027. Because they don't give it to me, all right? I'm too young and healthy. They don't give it to me. What do you What do you want me to do? Now, anyway, welcome to the show. Today's episode 84 featuring the great Nathan Stewart, an operations planning flight controller at NASA's Johnson Space Center. Every few months, I, it's been a year now, but every few months, six months or so, I like to have Nate on to discuss all the happenings in the world of space flight. All of the things that astronauts are doing, all of the things that SpaceX is doing, that NASA is doing, that Boeing is doing, because... It's important that while we're talking about black holes and all of that, we stay grounded a little we, and we remember what's actually being done here in terms of uh, putting humans in space. I mean, what's more interesting than that? Now, speaking of astronauts and humans in space, okay, Nate tells me that they exercise on average two hours per day while on the International Space Station. Now, it's not easy to exercise for two hours per day. You probably have a lot of aches, a lot of pains, a lot of nagging injuries. There's no better way, and NASA hasn't discovered this yet, but they will, but they will, give them time. The best way to defeat those little minor aches and pains isn't popping an Advil, it isn't taking an aspirin, an ibuprofen, it's taking premium Jane CBD. I go for runs, I'll run a 5K, 10K, 15K. There's nothing that takes away the pain quicker and more effectively and naturally than premium Jane CBD. Go to premiumjane.com slash universe. That is premiumjane.com slash universe for 20% off everything. I use the tinctures. I like the tinctures. Maybe you'll like gummies or bath bombs or something else. Go check it out. Now, Nate's on the show and we talk about some monumental things that happened over the past year in spaceflight. Probably the most monumental, the most life-shattering, life-altering, especially for those of us in the United States of America, is that for the first time in nearly a decade, we've put American citizens into space on an American rocket that launched on American soil. That is not what one would call a normalcy uh, in, the, in the past decade. So we talk about that. What was it like to be in, in NASA, to be around all those people that are involved in this endeavor and to finally see, once again, America's back, baby, in, in the space game? Furthermore, COVID shut down the whole world, but it didn't necessarily shut down all of spaceflight. So what was achieved in the past six months? What was achieved in the past year? And what is going to be achieved going forward over the next six months? We talk about all that. What does SpaceX have planned? What does Boeing have planned? What does NASA have planned? Etc. And then we talk about some interesting COVID-related stuff as it pertains to astronauts. For example, imagine you're on the International Space Station and you're just living life and COVID hits. All right. You are many miles away 
from the nearest human. You are in like the perfect quarantine situation. So what is it like to see literally the entire world begin to have to live like you? You know, it's a weird one. It's an interesting question. It's an interesting uh, uh, state of mind that a lot of these astronauts must be in. So we, we talk about that too. Talk about a bunch of other stuff. Hope you enjoyed the episode, everyone. Please rate and review the show five stars on Apple Pods or wherever you listen. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen. Support the Patreon. Support the PayPal. I ask you guys for that all the time. Those of you who know, know. Those of you who support, support. Those of you who listen for free. Eh, not going to say you're freeloading, but you are. Okay? But you are. Now, anyway, enjoy the episode, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Welcome back. It has been a year since you were on here. Normally... Like you're my space flight, my human space flight guy. You're tapped into the community. Well, literally, you're tapped into the community. I mean, you work in the community. So I normally have you on like, I don't know, a respectable amount, once every six months or something. But it is insane how much the world has changed since you were on here last. Right? Mm-hmm. It is nuts. I but, haven't left my house in six weeks. Uh, and, and you're vaxxed up, son. <laughs> I am. And Texas is open next Wednesday, baby. I can smell that vaccine on you. COVID's over, according to us now. Yeah, I mean, you guys just beat it. You know, you just were like, I win. That'd be like me. I'm like, I'm the new heavyweight champ. Like, I beat, I'm the heavyweight champ now. (laughs) I beat Tyson Fury for the title. I'm the heavyweight champ. That's what the, that's what you guys did. You need no proof, no evidence. You just. You don't need to fight. You don't need to just beat it. And you know what? (laughs) good for you because that might literally be an effective method like why haven't other states tried that like we won't <laughs> that's what florida did like Look, it's all ago. about the attitude and the optimism yeah i mean it turns out the one thing that kills COVID is optimism that might be right i mean we haven't tried it yet yeah <laughs> we gotta try something <laughs> running out of options here we've been trying everything else it hasn't worked so let's <laughs> have a little optimism if everyone dies well at least they died thinking they would live so um, unlike people here in New York, they <laughs> die thinking they're going to die. Yeah. You know, so it's you know it's whatever. And anyway, long year, tons of shit has happened. The space flight community slowed down a little bit, but you surprisingly achieved a ton in 2020. So I thought it would be good to bring you on, discuss what was achieved in 2020, discuss what what you consider to be like the shining moments of 2021 that will will occur in the future, mm-hmm. and get people up to speed on where we're at on space flight because. The world has stopped, right? But what hasn't stopped, I suppose, in some regards, is endeavors in space. Now, I did want to ask you, and I didn't really put this on our show notes beforehand, but I am curious. Um, what is is has there been an astronaut in space, like an astronaut who's been in space during the entire COVID pandemic? No, uh, we've had three different crews, I think, on the ISS. Um, there were, I forget who was on the ISS when this all started in March. Um, I think Chris Cassidy was the American with two Russians. Um, so he has a pretty unique perspective of launching, you know, nominally and having a normal kind of workflow and then uh, watching everything on the ground kind of fall apart and everyone almost in a way start living like he was living. And uh, then coming back and returning to a world that's completely changed and completely different than the one he left. Now, how has it worked when we send astronauts to the ISS now? Do they have to, like, stay in a bubble for uh, 800 weeks? Do they got to wear a mask when they get on the ISS? Like, how does it work? I didn't even consider this until I'm looking at you and thinking about it. Yeah, so so uh, typically we um, have them 
isolate for I think about a week or so before launch. Um, and I think they only like see you know their doctors and their family members or whatever, um, just to prevent them from getting sick, you know, before they right. go up and then and then getting the rest of the crew sick. Um, I think now they've upped it to like two or three weeks of isolation um, beforehand, um, and it's definitely a lot stricter. I mean, as everything is, you know, mask wearing, hand sanitizing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they get multiple COVID tests and I'm sure the people that have to interact with them probably are tested as well, Mm -hmm. or at the very least, you know, temperature checked and whatever. Um, I don't know the specifics, but I do know that they um, certainly increase the the amount of isolation time that they had before launch. Yeah. Now you got me thinking all about the ISS and like how it deals with, like if if I was on the ISS during this, should I be like, keep me up here? (laughs) You know, I'll stay up here. Yeah. There's not much to come back to right now. Now, do they, do I, uh, astronauts on the ISS, do they get like the common cold? Like, are there any, like, is there the flu ever floating around up there in the ISS or the common cold? Are there any astronauts sick ever? Sure. I mean, um, I don't know of any, you know, pandemic that's hit the ISS. No, 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 of course. Pretty pretty, pretty small crew for something to to go through. Um, They keep the medical details pretty locked down. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm sure, you know, someone's got the sniffles, the cold. Um, you know, I mean, it's an isolated environment. So if you go up and you don't bring anything with you, you know, there's no other way for, for those contaminants to get to you other than maybe a cargo resupply, but those things are heavily sanitized and cleaned. Um, so yeah, I don't know, like if someone's ever gotten the flu, uh, in space, I'm sure they've gotten, you know, the cold and, and, you know, their space adaptation sickness, which is basically, you know, similar to having a really intense cold or flu is a lot of nausea and vomiting and, you know, you Mm -hmm. You feel really swollen uh, for a couple of days. Um, they have medicine, you know, like over-the-counter type medicine available on the ISS for the astronauts to take. Yeah, that that's uh, I for some reason I never considered it because COVID like makes you realize that you don't know shit about viruses and you don't know anything about like you don't know. Uh, I realized I used to think wash the hands and I'm safe, you know. Mm-hmm. And now everything's different. Now I don't. Now think it's like wash the door handle. Yeah. Like don't breathe. Hold wash your, the, hold wash your the oranges. Yeah, be careful of your ears. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, your feet. Wash your feet. Yeah. So, I don't know. It like changes everything now. So I was curious about that. But now let's jump into 2020 because a ton of stuff happened in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, most notably, I think the number one thing on the docket is American astronauts getting off of American soil in an American-made rocket. Mm-hmm. for the first time in 11 years i believe it was right uh nine, nine years 2011 uh, was when the shuttle ended to nine yeah. years so that is what what is your perspective on that what were you um, like were so you- that's yeah when you asked about what i thought like the crowning achievement of 2020 was that in my mind uh the demo 2 mission crowning achievement of 2020 by far and the fact that we launched crew one in november uh, when we have crew two upcoming i think this month or next month yeah i mean that's a program that you know you could say a lot of people think it's nine years in the making you know it's from the end of the shuttle to that but it's actually much further it goes back i think to like you know the mid 2000s um when we started looking at it yeah it's good you bring this up because i saw i didn't know this either even someone in who's in the community i saw a picture of elon musk in i think 2003 with like a bunch of dudes in like a little office space. And it was like, this was SpaceX in 2003. There was like 12. Was it, well, this is the video where he has the mariachi band playing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So 
<laughs> yeah, it was like two thousand. He's holding the maracas. That's a, right. that's a classic picture. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize this was so long in the making. So that is it, because you know, you said people think, and I, I would, up until a few weeks ago, I would say I'm, I was one of those people. Yeah. You know. So I mean, all the way back in two thousand three was not when we had the dreams of commercial crew. You know, I mean, we might have had dreams about it, but it wasn't set in stone. Um, but I think by like two thousand six or something, um, I think was when they started taking you know contracts or ideas for a uh, commercial crew program which is the pre or, or i'm sorry uh, commercial cargo program which is the precursor to commercial crew which spacex has done wonderfully on um and a few other companies as well but spacex you know definitely being the standout and then spacex transitioned that into commercial crew and were the first you know successful commercial crew launch as well so this is something that's you know probably 15 years or so in the making um a lot of hard work by a lot of people, both, you know, in the government and in the private sector um, to be able to return, you know, spacefaring capability to America. Because uh, for nine years, we were completely dependent on the Russians and thank God for the Russians being, you know, generous enough to, to allow us to continue to have at least one American fly on every single Soyuz flight. There's only three people that fly up on the Soyuz and, you know, as the main, as America and Russia as the main uh, components of the International Space Station program, we basically have a deal where there, at all times there's going to be an American on board and a Russian on board. And then the other ones, you know, will be ESA, JAXA, you know, whatever, whoever else mm -hmm. wants to come up, private spaceflight participants, what have you. So Russia was nice enough, you know, they already have one spot reserved for one of their astronauts. And then they all took one spot for us, which only leaves one other spot, you know, mm -hmm. on something that flies every three to six months. Um, they did that for nine years. You know, of course, we paid them. You know, yeah, it wasn't for free, but um, it was something they certainly didn't have to do. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so. you saying thank God for the Russians? That has to be one of the only five times that was uttered in the history of, the, of humanity. <laughs> I don't think thank God for the Russians. That's been said very. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's definitely a generational divide, probably on that statement. Yes, over over forty five or something. <laughs> yeah, probably not something you'd really have to say. Yeah, no, I, I watched the the i i had somehow much like everything with quarantine um i initially thought i remember thinking this at the time i was like this there's a a bright side to this happening when it did like it's kind of cool that it happened during quarantine because mm -hmm. then everyone could focus on it mm -hmm. people kids were maybe home from school and they could watch it uh you know people however unfortunate being out of employment at the time were you know it was like the biggest news of like the week at the time yeah and it was something happy you know because this was right. june when we got that summer surge and like we'd already been in lockdown for three months and people thought it was coming to an end mm -hmm. and then we realized like slap in the face oh no we we messed this up and this is going to continue for a while you know mm -hmm. i think a lot of people were feeling down at that time and to be able to watch this triumphant you know, spectacle and it and space flight is a spectacle. I mean, our rocket launches is a pretty inspiring thing to watch and to watch it done with the flair of the private company of SpaceX, you know, uh, Elon and SpaceX, they're masters at marketing. And so to see them in the new uh, flight suits that they had, you know, that were very sleek and modernized mm -hmm. to see the inside of the crew capsule, which doesn't even have buttons or switches. It has just three touchscreen tablets, you know, and it looks like a capsule from the 2020s, whereas a Soyuz capsule, is looks like and is a capsule from the 1970s um it was just it really kind of pulled us into into this like modern space age that i think people 
we're starting to you know leave behind and forget about yeah i wanted to talk about that in particular the the fact that you mentioned like the the appearance and the looks this like when i picture a rocket or like a or not not a rocket rather when i picture a spacecraft or when i picture a hell even like an airplane i picture like all these levers and buttons and switches that light up and you got to like click them over here and it's like somehow that saves your life and you got to like do all this you watch spacex the the inside the demo two of inside of the capsule and you watch these astronauts sitting there i think there were two on board for demo two is that right Mm -hmm. yeah so you see these just two guys um just sitting there and they're not doing anything they're like me right now like i could i was qualified to be on demo two put me in there you know (laughs) tag me in so what are these guys doing anything they just sit there uh, not much, as far as I know, uh, and I'm not an expert on on you know how the capsule works or anything. But as far as I know, it's completely autonomous. You know, all controlled from the ground. Uh, the capsule basically knows what it's doing, uh, unless something goes wrong. I don't think there's any reason for the astronauts to take over. Now, in demo two, they did. Um, you know, I mean, it was a new vehicle. So what do you do when you before you buy a car, you you take it out for a test drive. And that's basically what they did with the capsule was. Uh, before they got to station, you know, they actually went to free flight and f- actually maneuvered the capsule around and made sure yeah. it could do all the things that it was supposed to be able to do. And it, and it passed it, you know, those tests. So, um, but for like crew one, yeah, I don't, I don't think they did anything, you know, maybe hit some buttons here and there, watch some data streams come in, but I don't, I don't think the mission relies much on the astronauts at that point. I wonder if that is more anxiety provoking or less anxiety provoking than the old fashioned Mm-hmm. control everything by hand because i said there's like it seems like there's pros and cons to both yeah this comes from someone in me who's like afraid of self-driving cars like the concept of, of you taking your foot off like i get afraid of cruise control you know what i mean i take i get anxiety when i take my foot off of the gas to go into cruise control so i can't even imagine letting go of the steering wheel and then the the going even a step further watching myself you know come into the international space station completely like autonomized and just Mm -hmm. like hoping that this machine knows what it's doing that scares the shit out of me (laughs) well you know i mean cruise control it's all what you put your faith into right if you might not like cruise control but you're putting your faith into the fact that your brake lines are working and that the gas pedal is is hooked up properly right the leap of faith and when you're when you're strapping yourself onto you know a multi-ton bomb essentially uh i think you gotta have a bit of a laissez-faire attitude yeah i mean tag i'm not saying i won't do it tag me in put me out there you know i'll do i'll do whatever i gotta do i'll uh you can put me on demo seven i don't even get at this point i kind of i for me i think it's i think it's better than the old school method because at least if something goes wrong i know i didn't mess it up you know that's true yeah it's like well i'm gonna die but it wasn't my fault at least you have like after death anxiety <laughs> you think like, i don't want to be like you know i don't want people to think i messed something up like it's yeah, okay right? if i die if i didn't mess it up but right. i don't i don't want to you're you're a bigger hero if someone else kills you than if you kill yourself that's a good lesson i feel like in the history of space flight actually yeah you that's know free. that's for everyone that's free yeah that's good advice that's a command yeah. that's a space flight commandment <laughs> i really like that so how many missions did SpaceX complete last year sending sending um, people up to the ISS? Was they, it just two or was it three? They just did two. Uh, so they did Demo 2 mission, which was just two crew members, Bob and Doug, in June. And they only stayed up for 
oh, I want to say two months or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't a full a full duration stay. Uh, and then in November they sent up Crew One, which is the first full you know crew complement. Um, so that's how the naming convention will go from now on. Um, mm-hmm. There'll be Crew One, Crew Two, you know, on and on, um, and four astronauts in each group. Um, they sent up who did they send up? Soichi, Shannon, Ike, and Hopper on Crew One in November. Um, and they'll be coming back down in like a month or two. Now, did the Demo 2 guys come back down on the Demo 2 capsule? That mm-hmm. I could yeah. see they did? Yeah. Okay. That's I was I was getting confused by by that. I didn't know if they wanted to test the return of the capsule in the absence of humans, but I guess they probably already did that. They did that with the unmanned mission that they did in 2019 in the spring, the one that um, ended up uh, like blowing up on the water pad after the fact i see now um, yeah they, they splashed down in the gulf of mexico and it was it's pretty interesting because we don't do water landings anymore because shuttle landed obviously on land it was a plane and soyuz um lands in the desert in kazakhstan uh and so we haven't done a water landing for the u.s at least since i think probably the apollo missions in the 70s so now explain soyuz to me because uh, you say it lands in the desert what do you what do you mean is it crash? I mean, that, yeah, basically crash land. So like, I don't know, 20, 30 miles an hour. So basically it comes down and has all these parachutes. It's still mm-hmm. falling pretty fast. Um, and just before it hits the ground, a second or two, it fires some thrusters really quickly. I see. Um, and that brings it down to, I think, like 15, 20 miles per hour. Um, and the seats are like, you know, race car seats. They're, they're molded to your body. Mm-hmm. You know, you sit in like a bathtub of gel and they mold an actual seat to fit you. Um, and then their seats are designed to, when there's impact, they kind of fall back um, to to absorb some of the force. Mm-hmm. And so the astronauts describe it as basically like being in a, in a low speed car crash. You I see. Know, yeah. Of like you, it's it's pretty intense, but you know you're not gonna like. Now is the water landing more gentle than that? You know that's a good question. I'm not actually sure. I haven't, I didn't read anything about what the landing was like for Bob and Doug. Uh, I'm actually interested in that because I mean, when you hit water going fast enough, it's just like hitting the earth really. Right. Uh, so I'm not sure how fast they were going when, when they hit, but they, I, don't, you know, I don't think they had a thruster fire or anything. The Soyuz ones are interesting because when you watch a Soyuz landing, you see this big cloud of dust come up under it and it looks like it's from the impact, but it's actually from those thrusters mm. that fire like a yeah. second before the impact. Yeah. It, it feels now I know it's not like, like you mentioned, you hit water hard enough, you know, it's going to be concrete. Mm-hmm. But it almost feels safe, like intuitively safer to land in water. It feels like less things could go wrong than land. Well, until you think about the capsule leaking and then you sink. Oh, yeah, and then you drown to death. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that's a phrase you're allowed to use. Is it drown to death? Yeah, I think you just Doesn't drown. drowning imply death? Yeah. Okay. That's a nice thing. Sure. Now, on the, 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 yeah. the... Talking about the landing still, there was... I don't know if you watched the landing, but that was the one where they had the, the Trump parade of boats. Oh, yes. Yeah. Around the, yeah. around the castle because the Coast Guard apparently couldn't keep regular Trumpers away from the, the castle. And they got really close, like way too close for comfort. Did the um, astronauts get out and party? They should have. <laughs> I don't think they're allowed to do that on, a, on national television. Well, did Trump ever use that in a campaign, like a video? Because that would have been a great video. I don't, I don't like astronauts so. come back and like. <laughs> and it's just these Trump flags. Like. It's just Trump. Yeah, it's just, you know, Trump sent us a space or something, you know. Yeah. Um, 
that could have been a good campaign ad, I think. But that actually, I'm surprised they didn't. Yeah, like Trump returned space to America and took it back from Russia or something. Yeah, yeah. Spin it however I, you want to. Yep. You yeah, that could have been a that could have been a good one. But that yeah, I do remember seeing the the boat parade around the uh, around the capsule. Yeah. <clears throat> now, um, we were mentioning Russians earlier, and I I read a little interesting tidbit that I didn't uh, that that surprised me. And the the tidbit was that um, on the last SpaceX uh, crew mission, was there supposed to originally be a Russian on board? And they pulled out because Russia doesn't trust the the SpaceX. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure. I know there's plans to fly Russians on uh, the commercial crew vehicles. Mm-hmm. Basically, as like a thank you, probably. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know if there was a Russian scheduled. Like, I don't know how far that plane got, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it was like a dream that like, hey, you know, it'd be nice on the first one to have a Russian and. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Russia pulled out for safety reasons. I mean, it was only the second, well, the third flight of, you know, that kind of vehicle and it's only the second flight with humans. So, you know, it's still pretty dangerous. Yeah. Um, and Russia just is not, from what I understand, and, you know, again, I'm not like privy to these conversations or anything, but from what I understand from reading the news is that uh, Russia is not a huge fan of SpaceX and commercial crew, mainly because, it's an income stream that they're not going to have because the Americans, the Europeans, Japanese, you know, uh, the Canadians are not going to pay them anymore. Cause why would you pay to go on a Soyuz and you go on a nice fancy right. uh, crew dragon or a Boeing Starliner that it will launch in 2036, you know, mm-hmm. whenever they finally get that thing off the ground. Uh, so I think they're not happy about that. They're not happy that SpaceX is cheaper by like $40 million. Uh, so it's almost half the price. Um, and, you know, Russia doesn't have their own commercial crew program. They're a somewhat underfunded agency. And I'm sure it probably, like, bothers them a little bit to see us have this capability back, you know? Yeah, knowing, knowing what I know about Russia from reading the news the past couple of years, Russia likes to see us not do well. Right. So to see us doing well is probably not the Oh but, yeah, you know, that's that's a political take. You know, I'm sure yeah. I'm sure the the Russian scientists that work, you know, uh, in space are probably ecstatic about it because I think you should celebrate each other's successes. You know, yeah, Vladimir Putin's out there shining damn lasers at the ISS every day. I heard <laughs> that's what I heard he's doing. Yeah. So he's trying to home in on the cupola. Yeah, he's trying to find an astronaut or something. You guys out. Yeah. Um, now you mentioned Starship, so we we. Should probably just uh... Starliner. Starship is um, SpaceX's big rocket that they launched out of Boca Chica. Now here's the problem, SpaceX. Stop naming everything the same. It's just a different thing. Well, that's Boeing. Boeing picks Starliner. Oh my god. SpaceX picks Starship and Crew Dragon. Crew Dragon's pretty decent, but yeah, Starship and Starliner is like. Let's get creative here, guys. This is space. Like we literally have infinite amounts of it. You can pick yeah. better names. It's kind of like Space Force a little. Yeah, like, like, like get a good space. name, you know. Yeah, apparently there's no creative types in the space industry. We need to attract some of those. I'm not really opposed to Space Force. Like I think it's kind of an interesting name. I mean, it fits with the theme of Air Force at least. Now, do you know anything about Space Force? Are they doing anything yet? Um, I know there's people in Space Force. I know they just picked their headquarters to be 
somewhere on the East Coast. I forget where. They should have their headquarters be on the damn moon. Yeah, they were looking at San Antonio, but they didn't they didn't pick it. Um, or maybe it was Colorado they picked. I don't know. Somewhere that wasn't Texas, and I lost interest immediately. But um, wow. a few weeks ago, a month or two ago, they had one of the astronauts on the ISS got sworn into the Space Force while on the ISS, which I thought was pretty freaking cool. That is cool. Yeah. I just realized you were talking about like where Space Force is going to put their headquarters and you have me like thinking like, hmm, maybe Texas would be a good idea. No state tax. And then I realized government doesn't think like us civilians. They can go wherever because yeah. they don't got to pay taxes to themselves. Yeah. They're just trying to appease some senators probably. Yes. So um, I don't know that like I, I was confused what Space Force was even going to be doing at, in the get-go. I mean, you know, so it's going to be like Space space Command from the Air Force, but I was curious if they were going to be doing anything else. And it seems like a lot of those news streams have kind of died off. Like, I haven't heard much about Space Force, what they're going to be doing. And, and you know, in all honesty, a lot of the stuff they do is probably on the more secretive end because they yeah. do a lot with communications and that sort of thing. And, they're not really going to be blasting that out. But if you're not going to be blasting that out, then why even make the Space Force a thing? Because as soon as you say Space Force, everyone wants to be uh, – people are picturing like you're flying around that – you know, like you're making new ISS. They just picture astronauts who have guns. And yeah. so <laughs> you can't live up to the hype. So why even, why even do it? You know, that's one more thing <laughs> Trump legacy and be upset about. I mean I don't, I don't agree with that take, but okay. Well, you should. Now, anyway, <laughs> um, moving on. Another huge thing. Um, I was afraid that with the transition of presidential power, mm-hmm. you would see Artemis fall into e- every program before it, which is that when presidents switch, you oftentimes see an abandonment of whatever the space program is at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was very fearful that Biden would murder Artemis, mm-hmm. um, not out of like, and we've talked about this ad nauseum on the show. I've talked with uh, David Fisher ad nauseum on the show about this stuff. It, it's space is an incredibly political thing, mm-hmm. and like for example, Donald Trump wanting people on the moon by 2024 is a very political thing. He wants to be the person who got people back on the moon. You know, yeah, um, yeah it was very originally 2028, and he was confident he'd win a second term. And by the end of his last year in office, well, according to him. You know, he was going to serve, what, 17 terms or whatever. But by the last legal term of his presidency, he would have gotten people back on the moon. Right. And so I feared that because Artemis did seem to be tied to Donald Trump, um, it would be nixed for something else. Maybe even renamed. Maybe even uh, the funds would be reallocated the project would be longer term, like something, right? (laughs) Yeah, but it seems the transition was pretty smooth, and Artemis seems to be well favored by everyone, and it's sticking around. Yes, uh, from what I can tell, yeah. I mean, there's been no news to suggest otherwise. Uh, I was, I mean, everyone was pretty fearful of that, um, and I think, you know, Biden seems like a a person who's smart enough to hire smart people and listen to them. Yeah. And anyone with half a brain in the sciences would have said, Hey, this has happened multiple times before with every program and then nothing happens from it. Don't do it. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you know, the other thing is like uh, speaking politically for a moment, Biden has never shown an interest in space. 
And yeah, so- but interestingly, I, it was like his second or third day in office. He requested that uh, a piece a piece of moon rock be placed in in the Oval Office. Yeah, I did. I see thought that. was a was a very interesting gesture. Because again, yeah, there's no like, as far as I can tell, there's no um, real passion from Biden right. or Harris when it comes to space. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was that was a gesture that as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, I think Artemis is safe. You know, that yeah that seems pretty. But yeah, but I think like it might the fact that he doesn't really care about space or put a lot of effort into pushing space policy or killing space policy. It, it, he just has a very laissez-faire type of attitude, it seems like, on the sciences in general, which is a great attitude to have, I think, from someone in charge. Like, not so laissez-faire that you don't give them money, but yeah. laissez-faire enough where you're like, take your money, hands off. You do. You're, you're smart people. You can figure out how to do this yeah. yourself. And, and I think I think you know oversight from Washington D.C. from people with law degrees and and you know handshaking experience um really is not what we need handshake charge of, of <laughs> science programs i like that handshaking so i haven't heard that before yeah that's good so I, I i'm glad that he's kind of just letting them do their own thing yeah um, but they did mention um well that was just what yesterday or two days ago i saw on the news that um i don't know who it was someone in nasa high up said that um the 2024 goal is is not going to happen you know Mm-hmm. Um, that it's most likely being pushed back to like probably 2026 or something, which I think everyone saw coming, you know, Trump and Pence for two years, were really pushing this program and then giving us like maybe an extra billion dollars a year, well under what we needed. Right. And they kept saying that, Oh, well, this is just to get you started. The rest will be coming later. And then the rest never came. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the pandemic happened, you know, we had to switch to how do we work remote? How do we work socially distanced? Um, and a lot of work got you know, delayed. Um, so I think it's been clear from, you know, for most people that 2024 was never going to happen, but I think 2026 is well within the realm of possibility. Yeah. I think, well, I think correct me if I'm wrong here, but 2024 could have happened in the limit that you're willing to throw money at the project. Right. Exactly. Well, that's the problem is we came up with a budget of saying, this is how much it's going to cost. And then they didn't give us that money. Is this a public number that you can say, or. Oh, I'm sure it's a public number. You just don't. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know it if it wasn't a public number. I'm not like you know. <laughs> you know. Well, I'm, I'm very bottom of the food chain. No, um, you're I'm, not. Oh yeah. No, you're not. But so you know, NASA gets like twenty-ish, twenty-one billion now a year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the number that we needed to hit was like an extra three or four billion dollars a year, like every year increasing for like yeah. three or four years. I think it was like twenty, another twenty billion total or something in that range and i'm just kind of spitting out numbers and i think i heard yeah, so yeah. those could be totally wrong too but i mean it was a sizable amount mm-hmm. that we were not getting anywhere close to so yeah so artemis one got COVID. it died right it got killed it got it got murdered out of 2020 it did it. well yeah okay yeah it got, it got kicked out of 2020 for sure so what was but, the but even i mean you know i don't think i don't think many people ever thought that was really going to happen in 2020 either really even even if COVID didn't happen, you don't think it was Artemis? Even moment. if COVID didn't happen, I think 2020 would have been a, a, a stretch. So can you describe what, what the first phase of the Artemis project would have been? Like what 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 is necessary to make it happen and what is its goal? Well, I mean, so Artemis 1 is still happening, you know. Right, right, right. Now it's, now it's planned for, I don't know, mid to late 2021, I think. Yep. Um, and again, <laughs> I mean, it's basically everything slips. So my guess, probably early 2022. But um, 
this is a mission. It's going to be the first flight of the um, SLS rocket, which is the moon rocket that NASA's building with the uh, Orion capsule, uh, which is the Lockheed Martin capsule that last flew in like 2014. It's just been sitting on the ground for seven years, um, which is a complete waste of, of time and money in my opinion, but hey, I don't make the decisions. Um, so it's, it's going to be an unmanned flight and it's going to go around the moon. I think it's just going to like mm. slingshot around the moon and come back. Basically just like prove that the rocket works. We already know the capsule works, but after seven years, you know, there's probably some dust to shake out. So make sure that works, make sure the mission profile works and just, you know, get everyone back into the swing of like, this is how, this is how you launch a, a, a rocket, you know, to something that we, you know, I mean, we've been doing ISS for 20 years. It's pretty routine at this point. You know, right. shuttle missions were fairly routine. We did this for 30 years, but they had different mission profiles, different objectives, payloads, these kind of things happening. ISS is, you know, you take three or four crew, you take your cargo payloads, you go straight to the ISS, you come straight back. You know, like there's not a whole lot of deviation. So for 11 years or 10 years at this point, you know, we haven't flown a super dynamic mission with unknowns and variables. Um, so that's something that I think just needs to get learned again, especially in the flight control you know, community of like, it's gonna be a faster pace. You know, you're not gonna be able to make decisions as long out, you know, you're gonna have to wait for a burn to happen before you can decide this is where we're gonna be able to go next or what we're gonna be able to accomplish next. Um, so yeah, it's that sort of thing. And then Artemis two will be the same thing, but with crew on it and then Artemis three yeah and so artemis three is going to be crewed mission again uh, but this one instead of just going to and orbiting the moon which i think the second one is just going to orbit the moon and then artemis three will actually land on the moon um again this is you know without the lunar gateway and all that this is just like a touchdown spend a i don't know a couple of days there probably and then come back it's going to be very much the same way that um, the apollo missions were and then at some point after that we will have the lunar gateway in orbit and then it's going to be more of a long-term thing of hey we can go and stay on the moon for three weeks you know and mm -hmm. build things there that are permanent or semi-permanent um and have people you know accomplish more out there but artemis 3 is and again i would expect artemis 3 now that we have a new administration this is where i would expect the changes for artemis to happen um if I was a betting man, I would bet that Artemis 3 is not the landing on the moon because it doesn't make sense. The reason, so from what I know, from what I understand, from everything that I've read, is that Artemis 3 was kind of shoehorned in so that we could land on the moon by 2024. Mm -hmm. like that was the whole reason for Artemis 3 and, and skipping the lunar gateway was just to get boots on the moon. Um, and now that we don't have that push, you know, unless Biden comes out and says 2026 boots on the moon, whatever. Um, without that push, I mean, I would just wait for the gateway to be ready. You know, what's the right. rush? Mm -hmm. There's no reason to rush it if we don't have to. And it's kind of a wasteful mission, in my opinion. There's really no point to it other than, you know, good press and headlines. Um, I mean, and even in the space game four, it's not good press and headlines. <laughs> I guess, right. But I mean, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of scientific benefit if you're only there for a couple of days. Um, I guess you're, I guess, you know, they'd be landing in that crater, you know, by the South Pole, which is somewhere we've never been on the moon. So sure, I mean, there's I'm not saying there's no scientific benefit, but 
you could do it a lot cheaper and with a lot less risk, you know, probably using a lander or a probe or something. Yeah. Um, I think this is an interesting question, science, science ethics in general, because you could make the, you could extend your argument a, a step further and say, there's not even really a point in putting men there. Like, sure. so this is a very common argument. Um, you could kind of, yeah, you could kind yeah, of, of why do we even have humans in space? And it's easy and it's simple. And we have humans in space because robots cannot do everything that humans can do. End of discussion. That's, and I'm not talking 30 years in the future. I'm talking right now. That's why, you know, no, I a, agree with such you a, when it comes to things yeah. like the ISS, but I mean, like for most of the science you want to do on the moon, you could extend the argument you made a kind of the natural point and say, well, you can do most science on the moon without men on the moon. Like you could do sample sure. return missions and everything. Now I'm not saying you shouldn't put men on the moon. Yeah, no, uh, you could do most of the science. You could do it slower um, at a much slower pace without yeah. men, men or women on the moon. Yeah. But you know, my but, broader point is that like, th there's a very important aspect of humans outside, just simply outside of science in general. Humans in spaceflight is incredibly important because spaceflight is kind of an a, a, a advertising game. Like you do kind of need people to be interested in space yeah. in order to have a successful program. Until like, until yeah. spaceflight is entirely funded by the private sector, you need to have humans there to get people interested to want to pay money for it. Yeah, you know. I mean, even people people will be more likely to pay taxes for nasa if they see things like demo 2 happening yeah they're going to be less likely if they see rovers on mars landing it's just the fact of the matter a, a rover on mars is less interesting than a human in space yeah and i mean you know going a, a step further like i don't think human i i don't think eyes on how do i say this the publicity is never going to not be an aspect so the private sector in and of itself is likely not going to survive outside of maybe like mining an asteroid. But it, SpaceX is not necessarily going to completely survive without public interest because they do get a lot of subsidies from the federal government. And you can tell based on their business model that they, they find it very important to do publicity type mm -hmm. um, outreach, whether it's sending a car into space or whether it's you know, the way that they cover the launches and landings. And um, yeah. so it, you know, it, they run their operation in a similar way as you would see like a podcast or a musician run their operation. Like yeah. it's good to have eyes on the product. And I don't think that's ever going to change. So, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, because, you know, what is SpaceX doing now? They're doing the Inspiration4 mission where they're picking four people who donate to charity and exemplify these qualities to go and orbit the earth for i don't know, like five days or something in a dragon capsule i mean that's all publicity you're not making money off of that all the money is going to saint jude's children hospital you know right. it's mm -hmm. strictly for publicity and you're right i mean that's something that's probably never going to go away because eventually you know the ideal point i guess is you have these giant spaceships that take you to mars or to the moons of saturn or something and you're gonna it's gonna be a cruise line you know Mm -hmm. which cruise are you going to take the one that advertises better and has the most fun amenities and you know sees yeah. the coolest things and has the best price do you when do you think you said a cruise line that goes to mars i'm curious if you had to guess that i, I do believe that assuming we don't nu nuclearize one another that that will literally be a thing that happens 
in the future of humanity here mm-hmm. on earth when if you had to guess what year do you think it would happen 3000 3500 no oh god way before then oh i would think before the end before 2100 i'm not talking just astronauts for exploration i'm talking about like vacation yeah. you think yeah yeah i mean 2080 and that's been you, really you're guessing 2080 to go to saturn I, okay maybe not saturn but to mars or the moon the moon I mean, we're gonna we're gonna be sending tourists to the moon i mean yes the moon you know, we have uh, spacex again has a mission that is planned for 2022 to send you know that that like japanese artist and and other um artists to orbit the moon um we have a private space company building their own private space station axiom mm-hmm. um that's what holds that's what starship is is basically a cruise liner to go to mars it's meant to hold 100 people and have these you know fun things to do while you're spending six months going to mars um and that you know it has had three flights now and each flight has gotten progressively more successful and it's not crazy to think that that thing's going to be flying regularly within the next five years and then flying people another five years after that you know and then it's a snowball at that point you know i Mm -hmm. i think easily by 2050 you'll be able to vacation to mars maybe you and i won't be we'll be able to but people with enough money i think will be able to yeah we got to get rich son we got to get you know we got to be a japanese artist or something you gotta you gotta get more podcast sponsors yeah i do uh cbd uh premiumjane.com use code name universe 20 percent off go do that <laughs> um now anyway um it won't get you high it won't get you to the moon either so you know is what it is um i think it's safe to jump into 2021 what do you think starship launches started happening in 2020 but those are continuing well let's there. let's talk about that quick so yeah. these starship launches explain i get so confused at all the terms and what they do and who does what <laughs> and sls and orion and it is a lot of you know jeff bezos yeah. and so you know that's why i have you here because you know you got to you it's all clear in your head so what what do we got going on here so starship is the massive uh cylindrical steel like classic looking rocket ship from the 50s that elon is building in south texas in boca chica and launching from boca chica uh, and it just yesterday had its like well they launched sn10 and you know at first they launched they looked like a water tower but they launched you know 50 feet in the air um, and now they've done three flights with an actual you know functioning rocket that it goes up I don't know, 10 miles or 12 miles, and it does this belly flop maneuver. And basically when it comes into Earth's atmosphere, it's going to come in sort of like the shuttle did and kind of kind of fly, glide its way down. Mm-hmm. And then it'll shoot its, it'll use its thrusters and fire its engines. And it'll swing back and come and land like a Falcon 9 or a Falcon Heavy straight up and down on the pad. And it's a fascinating thing to watch because this thing is is like i don't know 80 feet high or something i mean it's a skyscraper basically it's it's a building that is launching into the air flipping over you know flying through the air on its belly and then flipping back and and landing on the pad Mm -hmm. now it's always fun to watch these launches it's fun to watch these launches and landings in part because it blows your mind that this thing's Mm -hmm. able to like land itself um but also because they all blow up right (laughs) yeah so far they've all blown up so the first two uh blew up 
well, they didn't land. They came they came down very close to the landing, but they didn't have enough thrust. Uh, so they kind of slammed into the ground and exploded. This one that just happened landed. Um, and then while it was sitting on the pad after like five minutes or something, then it exploded. Yeah. What do, do they know what happened there? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think SpaceX has said yet. If you watch like Scott Manley uh, or Everyday Ast- Astronaut, they do some really great breakdowns. Um, and there was a fire that was on it. You could see it um, while it was landing and after it landed. And so I think it has something to do with that. And then pressurized yeah. tanks and oxygen and methane. And I don't know. I'm not a rocket engineer. Yeah. One of the things that blew my mind about the that those particular rockets compared to like the Falcon 9 or the Falcon Heavy is when you watch the Falcon 9 or the Falcon Heavy, they almost look like um and maybe it's only one of them. I'm trying to think, but one of them has like a almost like a tripod built into it, you know, it like that it lands on, and it's pretty big. Like compared to the size of the rocket, the the prongs on which it lands are large. Mm-hmm. But with this in this case. It looks like it's landing on like little tiny like <laughs> little like little legs. You know what I like mean? Little, like little centipede legs or something. Yeah. Yeah. They're the so those. Yeah. So those. The I think the reason they look so funny is they're not part of the final design. I believe the final design is to have those act the fins, you know, the large fins that are coming off the body, mm-hmm. extend past the bottom of the rocket and actually land on the fins. I think that's the the plan. Okay. So right now they're just using these little legs, you know, because they're not really worried about that part you know you start with the big problems and then you work down right um, and i just learned from watching uh the scott manley like rundown of it that those legs are actually meant to they're like the lunar lander legs they compress and they're <laughs> meant to just absorb the force yeah uh and so they when the rocket actually lands and you see it the skirt of the rocket is sitting on the ground because those legs have been compressed but it's you should watch the video there was i think it was like lab padre or, or someone had a really close-up video and there's i think there's six legs and three of them deployed and like stuck into position where they were supposed to and then three of them were just like flapping around floating three and they look hilarious it's it's real worth like watching it oh i'll have to i'll have to check i i rewind it multiple times it makes me laugh yeah well i did see that the when the rocket had landed it it was sideways right yeah and i heard people saying that like the legs on one side broke or didn't compress or like something happened to the they didn't they didn't lock into place and they were just kind of flapping around Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they support it. but it through some miracle landed and then a couple minutes go by and it just blows up. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. I literally wouldn't be surprised if Elon had programmed these rock. And I don't think that's what happened here, but I'm just saying in the future, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if Elon is like, we need the publicity. So we're going to blow the rocket up on the pad yeah. every time. He's like, he's like, I know they come to watch this be fun, but uh we gotta we gotta give the people what they want yeah we gotta blow this shit up so if if reusability wasn't his goal i would bet that would be at every every launch there would be an explosion well reusability is clearly not his goal he bought like 18 billion dollars worth of bitcoin (laughs) that's like the worst thing that you could possibly do to the goddamn planet is fucking mine bitcoin he doesn't care about reusability are you kidding um yeah so if it, if he could, if he could he'd store the energy that his rocket blew up with and mine Bitcoin with it. Um, <laughs> so anyway, let's get into 2021 because there's some really cool stuff mm-hmm. that I think has already happened and that yeah. is going to happen. The first and normally I bring you on and talk about human spaceflight, but I feel like the, I'd be remiss not to mention this: uh, perseverance and, and ingenuity. Uh, mm-hmm. Perseverance being the rover, ingenuity being the the helicopter, the Martian helicopter. Yeah. Um, this 
is I don't I felt like there was more buzz around this rover uh, touchdown than normal. Like this is not our first go around on putting a rover on Mars. Uh, in fact, in my lifetime, I think we've put three or four on Mars. Yeah. And so I just felt like there was a lot of buzz about this one in particular. Did you get that too? Did you feel like? Uh, so I actually didn't feel that base. I, I didn't know what was happening to be completely honest with you okay. until like well, two days before, but I just was not like, I, I was in my own world kind of for mm-hmm. a couple of weeks and not paying attention to a lot of these things. Um, but I, th- I do think NASA has gotten a lot better at publicity and, you know, kind of hyping these things up. They did the, and I, and I did, this was all like a year ago where you could sign up and put your name, you know, mm-hmm. into the database and then you print out your little Mars boarding pass. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, it has like a computer trip or chip or something and everyone's name is etched onto it at like a, a micron level or something yeah. ridiculous so my name's on there you know i think that's pretty cool like, that's is it really look at you yeah. did you put nate stewart or nathan stewart i think i put nathan stewart wow professional no one's yeah. gonna know who you are yeah <laughs> like who's this idiot nathan <laughs> yeah. but uh no i think i just think they're like you know their live streams are less cringy to watch because some the, if you watch some of the older ones they were not great you know? yeah so they've gotten a lot better um, just with, with the interviews they do, you know, and these just these because they do these like 10 hour live streams for these events. It's absurd. And demo demo too, man. I felt so bad for them because it kept it kept uh, slipping and they mm-hmm. do like this big 10 hour live stream and then it'd be like, oh, not launching. OK, we'll be back tomorrow. I was like, oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. We actually forgot to mention that there was like a whole week where it kept or month or something that it kept getting pushed back. It's like, yeah, it was like a week or so and it it kept getting pushed. But yeah, Um, but no, they've they've gotten really good at that and they've gotten much more social media savvy, I think. And they've just like figured out how to create a buzz. Mm -hmm. And it's it's space, you know, like people are going to be interested in it. You know, it's not hard to get people interested. You just have to get people aware of it, really. Mm -hmm. Um, You've now reminded me of on the day that Demo 2 ended up launching, I remember vividly. I was hiking with no cell phone service, but I knew about what time it was supposed to launch. And I looked up and it launched from Florida, right? mm -hmm. So I think I'm not making this up. It's possible I am. I don't think I am. But on the hike I was doing, there's a particular viewpoint where you can see to the south really well. And we were in southern New York, and you could see to the south really well. And I was looking it up, and apparently you could, you should have been able to see a part of the launch if you have binoculars. And um, I couldn't make it to the viewpoint in time to to do the to the thing. <laughs> um, but so I didn't even get the chance. But anyway, um, I do remember that. So I remember it being delayed like every day, or at, for rain, or a, a whole bunch of different shit. Um, God, but yeah, NASA has gotten has gotten good at these at at using social media um and i love seeing the views of like when when you finally get word that the rover touches down you see all the people in the control room or wherever they are like jump up and they're yeah they're, they're all like the control room at jpo so i gotta say i think they have a cooler control room than we do here in houston which I'm a little, yeah i, I want to ask annoyed by you got to get a new control room <laughs> um build one <laughs> There's no money for that. Yeah, your boss comes in one day and you're just building shelves. It's <laughs> like I'm, <laughs> I'm up, I'm upgrading this shit. So, um, now I, I am curious. Is, is that the response that you have when, 
astronauts land safely or you bring astronauts no. to the ISS safely. That's what I figured because yeah. it's so routine that it's like, yeah, they didn't die. Let's go eat lunch. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I a really, lot. I, I really respect what they do at JPL, but they get a little bit too emotional about it. It's also, and I don't know, maybe this, maybe I'm thinking too much like flight controller, but you know, a flight controller is supposed to be like calm, cool, and collected. You know, like mm -hmm. you're not supposed to like jump up and down and cry with your with your coworkers. Yeah. Well, I mean, once the rover's down, I mean the once yeah, over. once there's nothing else to do. That's you know, what I mean. Is, yeah. Which is like, you know, there's the pictures from uh, the lunar landings when they'd come back and then they'd light the cigars. You know, but mm -hmm. nobody nobody was doing that when they landed on the moon. You know, that was when they yeah. got back to Earth. Yeah, um, I think once the it's rover a weird feeling that doesn't that doesn't happen. In yeah. Houston. It's just once the rover's down, like most of those people get fired. There's no work for them to do anymore. They're like, see ya. <laughs> we, you know. See you in six years when we yeah, lost the next one. Exactly. Like we didn't even, we just don't. We, well, we, the, the interesting thing is I think a lot of the people in that room are the engineers that have been working on it for, you know, five, right. ten, mm -hmm. six years, however, however long they've been working on it, which is definitely a, a reason to have an emotional connection. You know, if I had been working on that thing for that long, knowing there's one shot, you know, I'd probably be emotional too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now I, I will have um, people on the show in the future to talk more about the Martian Rover and what it does and all the science. So we won't touch on all that, but the reason I wanted to bring it up because there's, there's one thing that's very important for human space flight, which I thought was really cool. And it's this instrument called MOXIE. Um, which stands for Mars Oxygen uh, some, some Experiment. doesn't matter. The point is um, it, it will attempt to scrub oxygen from CO2 that's in the atmosphere of Mars to, to generate breathable oxygen. Um, this is like a necessity. Scaled, it's a scaled-down necessity that we would need if we ever put humans on Mars. So I thought that was a really um, interesting development and something I knew that they were putting on there, but I hadn't really – realized how cool it was until now but if we do ever make it to mars humans make it to mars this will be likely our avenue for breathing because we won't be lugging tanks of oxygen to mars we will have to scrub co2 that's prevalent in the atmosphere and produce some oxygen so i don't know I, I didn't know about that i'm curious how that uh relates to once because we have co2 scrubbers on the iss as well i'm curious how that uh compares yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about scrubbing, uh, scrubbing CO two. I don't. I think the issue is scaling it up to produce enough for like, you know, a civil, like a small civilization, society type. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. If you're gonna, um, I mean, I, in my mind, I was thinking like you know, six astronauts. But yeah, if you're gonna, if you're gonna have a hundred people, yeah, thousand people, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough thing. Now, CO two scrubbers are cool. There's active ones and passive ones. Look at you, son. You know everything. Very I nice. I don't know anything about scrubbers. I was watching uh, I was watching a video about nuclear submarines and they were using something very similar to what we use on the ISS. Well. Mm. Yeah, and I'm sure the I'm sure the um the instruments have to withstand much different uh, environments, right? So on Mars, it's a lot colder than it likely is on any given day inside of the ISS. I I assume that what is the ISS temperature control like held at? Um, that's a great question. Probably like seventy. I mean, really? most of the time they're yeah, living the in they're luxury working, up there. They're working in t-shirts and like long pants, so can't be that cold. Right, sixty-seven, maybe sixty-six. I don't know. Um, well, on Mars, you know, you got. I wouldn't go to the ISS if it was sixty-six. That'd be too cold for me. Are you crazy? Yeah, I'd say sixty-eight. 
Dude, it's got to be warm. Half these people live in Houston. What do you keep the heat on in your home? 70. Not that you won't need it any more than one day or two days a year, but what do you so, keep it on? Uh, it got really cold here if you hadn't been paying attention. And you left the state. <laughs> yeah, I did. Because I didn't have power or water. That's insane. You I'm leave gonna, the state. It's 20 degrees without power or water. Go you outside. You live near the ocean. Get some water. Drink it. You can't drink ocean water. Stop complaining about everything all the time. You Texans. Says, you guys says, are like, the, guy, says the guy with, with heat and, and with power and water. My power went out the other day for an hour. What, the, what do you for think an I hour. did? Power I think I moved like out. Went out for like a week here. What are you talking You think about? I went to a different state? You think I got on a plane? That's insane. My friend, my friend didn't have power for like 48 hours. Well, tell him to get out there. And, and, then, start... and then we couldn't drink our water for the next week. We had to boil it. It's unbelievable the complaints I hear from you. I, you know, for a, for a city Ooh. that gets for a city that gets flooded by a hurricane oh. like 16 oh, no, times I, a year. I, I agree, but this one was not just Houston's fault. This was a, a statewide failure. But I do agree with you. There have been at least two major disasters since I've lived here. I've only lived here three years. Uh, I thought this city would be better prepared, but it's not. Well, but this one, this one, to be fair, this one was out of left field. We prepare much better for hurricanes than we yeah. do for for our power to go yeah. out. Well, you pay less taxes for a reason. I mean, that's what you get, you know? Yeah. You don't want to pay, pay a state tax. You, this is what you get. Yeah. You, get uh, you get no power and no water and no heat. <laughs> So shut your mouth and don't complain. I mean, literally, though, I, I, I mentioned this to you the other day. You couldn't have possibly frozen to death, right? In Houston, how cold did it get in Houston? It got to uh, like 12 degrees overnight. Overnight one night? No, multiple nights. Oh, it's cold. Oh, we had, I thought it was. Yeah, and for a couple of days, it didn't get above like 20, 25. What? Yeah. Like my wow. friend, like the my buddy's apartment, I think, was like a... 45 degrees or something but you can't freeze to death in 45 degrees you can't freeze to death at 45 degrees but that's unless not you're a good infant. temperature that's not a good temperature to live at well i mean that's the temperature i live at up here every fucking day so it's 45 degrees in your what's your apartment at right now 45 i don't even have power bullshit, bullshit. i'm running on a backup <laughs> No, it got it got brutally cold, man it uh, is kind of insane though that like texas gets cold one time and everything breaks do you lose faith no no because i know why it breaks because our infrastructure is not meant to handle it. you know like it's the first night it got really cold it snowed and we had you know probably like half an inch of ice on the roads and it just sits there because we don't have snow clouds we don't have salt to de-ice it you know like there's no infrastructure to handle that kind of thing i love that you guys just sit there with like we don't got we don't have plows we don't, we don't that's something like we, we legitimately don't, the nearest plows are like 800 miles away like we just don't have them i just so picture just like there. people in cowboy hats just sitting there unable <laughs> and, to do anything unable and, to eat and so every every time it snows the thing is i mean it usually melts by noon you know as soon as the sun hits it it melts it's so weird for us to get actual ice on the roads that actually sticks around you know um because you know this happens once every 30 years so there's no reason to prepare for it i used to think texas was tough okay you know what let me let me now i buffalo. think you're... i want buffalo to get six feet of water in four days and then i want you and then i'm gonna laugh at how unprepared you are for it now i think you're all a bunch of bitches <laughs> i cannot believe you reacted this harshly over 12 degrees that's embarrassing. You're, I want you to okay. You're, when you come and visit, I'm going to have you visit in the middle of August. You're just going to waterboard I'm gonna, me. I'm going to leave you outside, and you're going to drown in the humidity. 
and you're going to die. And I'm going to laugh at you. I really have lost a lot of respect for Texas in this discussion. I mean, I didn't realize you guys couldn't handle anything. <laughs> that is unbelievable. The power goes out for one night and you're all dying. One night? It was almost a week. You can't watch Netflix, so you just die. That's insane. <laughs> it's almost a week. We don't have down winter jackets. I own, you know what I own? I own, I own one peacoat. I own one leather jacket, one pair of jeans and two sweatshirts. What is that? That is my winter clothing. A, like a, like one of those like black navy coats you know no i don't know you don't know what a peacoat is no that's my winter, that's why that's you my... die in the cold because yes. you want a peacoat no because we don't have clothes for it this is why also you're... my also my like our apartments are not insulated oh you can't see right now but in the window back there mm-hmm. i had to put, <laughs> i had to put blankets all around my windows because they're so drafty and like you were laying here and you just felt the, the cold just blow right in through all the windows and doors. Now, did all of the wildlife die? No, it didn't all die. Um, like the snakes, the lizards, like they got to be dead, right? Oh, I think a lot of like those reptiles, they can get really cold, right? I don't know. They're cold blooded. So they just like, they just don't move. They just, they just like, decide to be warm. No, yeah. no, they just like freeze up basically, right? And I don't then know. when it warms up, it warms them up. Well, that's what it sounds like all of Texas did. (laughs) I mean, that's literally what you guys did. You're like, it's cold. We can't move. Let's wait until it warms up. And then some of you just (laughs) starved to death. So listen, it's It's sad. I drove. So I drove to Louisiana um, all the way to the border from Houston to the border. That's like two, two and a half hours of driving. No water at all. No water. Nobody had water. And when I came back on Sunday, almost a week later, Still no water. Not not like not the water's under a boiled notice and you can't drink it, but like there was no water running. We had to pee on the side of the road. It felt like I was living in a third world country. Well, you deserve to be after that performance. You could, I mean, drive, that's... you could drive from where you live in Buffalo to where I live in Pennsylvania. Imagine no running water that whole stretch. I want to rank some of the all-time worst performances during natural disasters, and this has to be up there for Texas. I mean, it has to be up there. Like, I, I thought California handled stuff bad. I, you know, we're up here, New York strong. Nothing stops us up here. Okay, if you the, the only thing that'll take down. Uh, a, what about a, when you guys got hit by Sandy? You got wrecked by that, one measly oh, hurricane. That was in the city. One you don't count measly that. hurricane. Those vagrants in the city get hit, hurt by everything. They get their feelings hurt when they go to Starbucks, so they don't <laughs> count. Okay, we're talking about real humans up here in the north, in the great white north. The great white north. Yeah, we don't. The only thing you know how to survive is six foot snows. That's all you know. We know everything. Give us heat, son. Give us wind. Give us. Okay. Uh, I, like I said, come down here in August. I'll give you some heat. Give us water. You like what? No. Come down in Harvey. We'll give you six feet of water. What I'm saying is each part of the country has things they're very good at surviving. And then when you throw a curveball, they get wrecked. Yeah, but it sounds like Texas only survive, is only good at surviving one item, and it's just normal temperatures. It's like 100 degrees. Oh, look at us. We can be outside. It's like <laughs> your only defense against natural disasters is wearing sandals, it seems like. That's the problem. Oh, it's like- you, need to, you need to come experience a Houston summer. You have no idea what you're in for. You're like, you just put sandals on not, and you think you did something. It is No, it's it's 100 degrees with a real feel of 115 and 95% humidity. It's like walking through a hot cloud all day long. Well, sounds to me like you got some priorities to check out. Now, anyway, let's... Uh, <laughs>
You know what? No, when you visit, don't come in the wind. Don't come in the fall or spring. I don't want you to experience good Texas weather. <laughs> I want you to experience the worst of the worst. I want. I to. want you to. Your pale little skin will walk out and fry in twelve seconds flat. You will That's what I want. Out, get the mail and come back, and you will be red as a lobster, and I will laugh at you. That's what I'm hoping laugh. for. That's what I'm hoping for. I cannot wait to show you what a real human is all about. All right, because you live up here, you get hardened. You get hardened. I have the skin of a lizard. What do you have? That's not a good thing to have. I mean, what do you have? Dry. Yeah, you need some. You need some lotion. I don't use moisture. I don't use ointments. Okay. I have I have well moisturized skin because it's never below seventy percent humidity here. So that's absurd. Just, now it just comes into my right. body. Before before I continue to tell you how shitty Texas is, and it is, we should um, just get in Texas is a great state if you go there like what three days a year that you guys have power because you can't whatever it's 72 degrees out and you guys have power or else you can't drink the water and stuff. Now, anyway, I think we got two or three more launches this year from SpaceX. We got Crew 2, Crew 3, Crew 8, Inspiration. What do we got going on with SpaceX this, this year? That yeah, we so they have Crew 2 launching Crew 3. I think those are the only two planned for this year. And these are just more of kind of the same testing stuff. Yeah, just the same thing. Just uh, four crew, um, Americans, Europeans, Japanese, maybe Canadians sprinkled in there. Who knows? Oh, aren't they launching on 420? (laughs) The launch right now, yes, is planned on 420. Is that deliberate? I don't think so. I I think Elon had a Twitter post. Where he did make no like he made light of it, right? Oh yeah, that's so a he, total Elon move. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if I don't think it's the reason I say it's not probably not deliberate is because that's not a SpaceX date, that's a NASA date. NASA says this is when we're going to launch. You know, we need new crew up there for you know two weeks or so before the old crew leaves. Old crew schedule leave around this time, so we need the new crew up around this yeah. time. And then it's based on orbital mechanics of when it's favorable mm-hmm. to get to the ISS and all that. I, yeah. So I, I think the math, the scheduling and the math just happened to work out on that day. There might have been sure. a, another day close to it and someone might have been like, yes. well, let's just, you know, but but I don't think they were like, okay, when is the funniest time that we could launch Elon's uh, space capsule? Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say to you is that like, I bet like I'm picturing you guys over at NASA gave Elon like, or gave SpaceX like a list of dates. Like, here's when we could do it. You find a date that best suits you. And they saw 420 and they were like, we got to do 420. Yeah, can't, can't miss out on that. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and read the show five stars on Apple Pods. Listen, if you graduated the fourth grade or the third or the second grade, the first grade, if you graduated the first, very first geek grade, then you should get this. I don't want you to leave an 1,800-word review on Apple Pods. I want you to type grade A and submit it. And that's all I want. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. We got a, we got a new one coming out next week. We're going to try. Listen, I don't know about you people, but the pandy killed me, okay? I don't know how people operated dirt some people have just they've they've done everything some people have done everything during the pandy they've literally done everything they've done a million things they haven't slowed down at all i'm not one of those people i do not want to be trapped indoors for 24 7 i haven't been in an office i've been working remotely for now 12 months i have not seen another human other than my wife all right 
and a cup, you know, couple, you know, I might have fucking eaten a crab leg or two. Who knows? So I'm, you know, I might be out there, but I ain't out there a lot. That's the point. So, um, the pay, the, the podcast episode slowed down, but we're trying, we're ramping it back up, and we're getting back to normal, and we're seeing people again, and the world is opening. And I appreciate everyone who dealt with the podcast every two weeks, every three weeks at one point, every month at one point even, when it got really bad. So thank you so much, people. Um, And you still supported the show the whole time. You still did the Patreon. You still did the PayPal. You still supported the show. You still uh, rewarded me for the efforts. And and I cannot thank you enough for that. So um, I appreciate it. And we're going to do some cool stuff with the Patreon in the future. We're going to start doing Patreon-only bonus episodes. So... What's going to happen is, and I'm curious to get people's feedback on this. Let me know what you think. After an episode like this, right, we're going to jump right into the Patreon episode and continue over there. So, you know, we'll be talking to Nate for an hour. The last 20 minutes, maybe, be on Patreon. So that's the idea, right? Incentivize people to get over there, and we'll have a good conversation over there. It'll be much more loose. It'll be much more loose. It'll be uh, behind a paywall. There won't be ads on it, so it'll be like you know free reign to say and do whatever we want to do so it's just fun it's like a fun avenue to explore but anyway thanks for listening um and we will and we'll be back next week baby with a great episode the great dr stefan alexander assuming uh you know nothing goes wrong on that front so let's do it